when you open yourself up to be a a healer or a person of venture and you hear somebody else's story, you realize that, yes, even though your story is still important, yes, you still are going through something, you're going to meet somebody that's going through um, something tougher than you, and that's going to make you a little more eager to to continue with your journey, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I remember when I first lost my limbs, and I remember saying, God, like, you know, why why me? Why did I have to lose both limbs? Because I am what is called a BKAK, means the amputation below, below the knee and amputation above where my knee would have been. But instantly, I met a young lady who had no knees at all. And of course, the more of your residual body you have, the easier it is to walk. This person was missing both knees. So her journey is a lot harder than mine. And I say this to say that, you know, uh, reaching out to her and just saying like, you know, here's my story, kind of find out that that's all she wanted was to be able to tell her story and hear that somebody else is, is like her. She is not alone. She might have it a little bit harder, but to her, me taking that extra two seconds was enough to push her to go, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to give it 120%. I came in here, gave it 100%, felt sad, and I wanted to give it 0% moving forward. But just this person talking to me has motivated me more to give it that extra push, you know. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel podcast, the podcast where mindfulness and leadership intersect. My name is Sean Moore, and I help people cultivate their energy, whether that's through a podcast platform, design and branding services, direct energy work, or workshop and presentation facilitation. In this week's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Mr. Michael Avon. Michael is a Washington, D.C.-based digital artist and visual storyteller who overcame all odds and now travels the world helping brands share their stories as a photographer, videographer, and music producer and activist. After a devastating motorcycle accident left him a double amputee, Michael Avon was told he'd never walk or have full use of his hands again. Instead of living in perpetual depression, he found a new passion. He became a photographer. His artwork and photography is more than just taking pictures. It is a story of overcoming adversity. In addition to becoming a traveling artist and a creative entrepreneur, Michael Avon is an international TV personality, disability rights advocate, and inspirational speaker. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Rebel Podcast. I am excited to chat with Mr. Michael Avon. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, of course, of course. Um, I'm excited to talk about your, I enjoy speaking to other creatives. Um, I love to kind of dig into folks' creative process and, and talk a little bit about like the motivation behind um, what's gotten them into their work. And so I'm excited to, to dig into this conversation. So a dope place to start, which is the place I start all the conversations, is just to get a foundation. Um, if you can talk to me a little bit about, you know, your journey as a digital artist and a visual storyteller um, and what, what's brought you to where you are today and the type of work that you produce. Okay. So what brought me here today, actually, I started um, photography and music way before my motorcycle accident. I think everything became serious after my accident. Uh, the music foundation of it has been something that saved my life in a different way. I was 16 going down the wrong path, hanging with the wrong crowd. So music kind of came to me and was definitely my guardian angel. Uh, once I got wrapped into beat making, 
I really didn't have time to hang with those that was on the street. So um, that was my first life-changing experience through art. And then, of course, like I mentioned before, after my motorcycle accident, it gave me a chance to realize um, or think about where my life was going. So therefore, that was my second life-changing experience dealing with art. Hmm. And so, you, you know, we talked about like motivation and, 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 and situations that kind of crafted your perspective on, on the type of work. And so um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, about your accident and maybe what came from that in terms of, you know, your change in perspective around the work that you're doing. Maybe how does, how has that crafted um, how you're showing up in creative spaces now? What does that look like for you? Uh, what it looked like for me, uh, and, and to touch bases with, or give you a little brief introduction on the motorcycle accident, uh, without getting too much into it into later. Um, the accident, what it did was, when I woke up out of my two-week coma, I couldn't barely do anything. I barely could move my fingers, uh, couldn't move my arms, really, definitely couldn't move my body. So what that gave me was a uh, uh, aspect of life where I'm taking away of things that I thought were um, not a big deal or things that we overlook, you know, small things. It was giving that back. And what I did from that was that was my introduction to making it into a business because I knew not only did I have a story that I now can share about overcoming adversity, but it gave me an opportunity to really think like, where do you want your life to go? And this was God's gift to me to follow my dreams and not live for nine to five so the experience not only gave me signs of hope it also gave me reflection of visions that i never thought was there like i'm definitely into like more of the black background person coming out as a warrior artwork now and um i guess that comes from just the experience that i just mentioned of having everything stripped away and then giving it back and then as well as trying to find out what your dreams are so I guess it's that quiet time uh, when you put a kid in a corner and they get to really think about what they did right or wrong. So I think that's what it was. Um, my my experience in my hospital was my quiet time, my my in the corner time to really think about um, where I wanted this art to go in my life. Mm. And I guess that's that's a good place to to dig in a little bit more and maybe. Uh, Talk to me and, and share with the listeners a little bit more about what that recovery process was like. Um, because I know that you, you know, talking about what it did for your creative process, but, you know, a, yeah, I, yeah, I, I want to know a little bit more about what, what that was like for you personally, um, maybe how that affected, you know, life around you. And then how did you get to a place where you were able or strong enough to funnel that an ex a life-changing experience like this uh, into harnessing that power or the strength around a situation like that, uh, harnessing it into your creative um, space. Because I think that, you know, that it, it's easy for uh, a life-changing incident like an accident um, to maybe hinder someone from or, or getting caught up or wallowing in what happened. How did you move past that aspect of, of the recovery process to then harness it in a way that um, has worked for you in, 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 as you move forward? Well, the whole, going back to the accident itself, it, it was very kind of a, a unique story. Um, pretty much it was August and 
we went on a double date, me and another biker. We went on a double date, and the date, his date really didn't go as well as mine. So we ended up dropping the two uh, females off, and we had a third biker with us. So that's another good point is that my accident was involved with just me. So I didn't have anybody in the back, so God bless for that. But anyway, um, I woke up and to just almost like a, a blurred vision and my vision just coming back and I saw my mom smiling, walking towards me. So I put two and two together. I figured I was in a motorcycle accident. This would be my third accident actually. And um, the nurse started going over all my injuries. Um, and then it was, it was really, really weird feeling because she's telling me about my broken fingers. Then she goes to my arms. Then she goes into my broken shoulder. She goes into my ribs and my pelvis being, permanently disfigured and broken so by this time she hadn't even gotten to the legs she actually um i actually just started laughing because i really thought this was a dream there's no way i broke all my bones in my body and on top of that she gets to the point where she asked me you know my name and she asked me today's date so being that i put two and two together that i've been in an accident i figured it was the next day but come to find out it was a two-week coma so i have been in a coma for 15 15 days in total so again, I thought this was all a dream, but once I um, started laughing, I remember going to sleep or whatever, and I woke up in a room with just my aunt this time. My mother wasn't there. My father wasn't there. And I remember having to use the restroom. So I started to try to move my body. I'm very weak at this time, but I'm still trying to, what I thought, get my body up and walk to the restroom. And my aunt asked me what I was doing. I explained to her that I wanted to use the restroom. She then goes and asks, well, how are you going to do that? And I'm thinking in my head, how am I going to do that? I'm just going to walk. And that's when I happened to look down and saw that the covers was really, really small. And as I noticed that, the covers moved and I saw that my legs was wrapped up and my legs was gone. Now, here's where the opportunity for change came. I remember waking up to an all-white room, and it was a voice. I didn't see a person there. So still to this day, I don't know if it was a higher being or was in my imagination, but it was the words I wanted to hear. The person strictly went to the point and just said, there's two things you can do. You can dwell about this accident and how life is going to be different, or you can learn to move on and accept that life will be different. So the choice is yours, but I need to have an answer right now. Again, I don't know if it was a higher being, but I do feel that the nature of this conversation had to be a higher being. So I took the opportunity to just agree to just move on. So from that day on, like I said, to be stripped of everything, I was already making music, but at this time, there was no way to play a keyboard. There was no way to record someone's vocals. And not to mention that I was in a nursing home in a total, right after the accident, in a total about um, six months. So this is six months without being in my studio and just maybe visiting the studio when my parents was able to pick me up and put me in a wheelchair and roll me through. But other than that, that's all I had. So what I did was to be stripped of everything. It's one thing to make a choice not to pursue your dreams, but when you're forced to pursue your dreams because you can't do anything and those things were stripped, I think it just gave me that extra motivation to, to try harder with this art. Mm. And so, so one thing I like, I do like to, to like define terms or talk a little bit about what different things mean to folks in these kind of spaces. And so one thing that keeps 
for me coming up is is the whole idea of strength or what strength is. And so for you and your experience, how have you defined or or how do you define strength and what that what does that mean to you? To me, strength is in, in the part of play, strength means a lot of things to me, but I think right now in my life, what I've uh recent lesson that I've been taught is strength is the ability to come out of a situation. And what I mean by that is you can go through a million things and what makes you strong is not the fact that you went through those things, but it's the fact that you pulled yourself through and how you pulled yourself through. So I think, um, you know, with me, a, a life lesson I've learned is things happen and I don't care who you are. These things are going to happen. But when you have that tunnel vision on your art or whatever it is that you want in life, that tunnel vision is strength because you're able to focus on the bigger picture. Your focus is that, um, I don't know, I want to complete my portfolio or um, I have a book that I've been working on and, and I haven't released it. This is going to be the year that I release it. Those are what I call tunnel vision. Your eyes is on the prize. You are not worried about those five things that's coming your way. You're not worried about those speed bumps that you might have went through. And um, But what you're focused on is that outcome. And I think that's, you know, um, a, a great thing about being in tragedy is it makes you stronger and it makes those goals mean a lot more too because you're like, hey, I fought through this battle and I made it to this point. Let me keep going for that, that goal because I've already made it over this speed bump. I've already made it off um, I couldn't afford art supplies, but I figured it out. And now I'm able to draw on that canvas and take that canvas to another um, screen. And I, I don't paint myself anymore. So I don't know how that goes, but I'm just throwing <laughs> up an example for you. Uh, it, 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 the good thing about it is that tragedy does make your, your goals. It either is going to tear down your goals. You're going to be one of those people that just give up and nothing's wrong with that. If you want to tap out, that is your choice. But you have the choice. You you can even tap out, or you can go after those dreams even more, even harder. Mm. One thing I, I want to talk talk to you about is you know, and it's funny. After reaching out to you, I realized that you're a photographer that I've been following for a while, um, and I've seen your work. And then I've encountered a lot of you know, I do graphic design, and then you know, with the podcast too, um, I realized that I've interviewed folks that have. Um, you know, like submitted your photography as their like headshots or their photos for it. Um, or I've also worked with clients that have, you know, you incorporated your photography into like some of their designs and different things like that. So I've always got, been a fan of your photography work. Um, with your, or how have you developed your technique and, and maybe what is your perspective or voice with the photography work that you, um, that you create? Um, I think my photography is a little bit different um, because it's like, I don't know, it, it kind of makes me worry sometimes, but then sometimes I accept it as just me. I like to freestyle. I like to, my idea of a photo shoot is figuring out what would be the theme. Are we going for a punk rock or are we going for a wedding? Those are important because I really, even though it does sound artistic and now you got me wondering, I was about to say put a, a lady in a, in a dress with a husband a tuxedo and throwing them in the middle of the ghetto might look funny in an urban neighborhood with spray paint. But then I think I'm like, wait, 
might be going somewhere. But usually <laughs> that's how I wrap things up. I, I, I pretty much just go off the theme of what the person's going to wear, and then I go with the landscape after that. Everything else is just kind of like uh, once I get there, then that's when I start putting the aspects of or rules of photography. That's when I start thinking of third, the rule of thirds and where's my light source? Do I want to add additional light source to add to the natural light or do I want to keep it all natural or do I want to pick a location where my, my, my false light is going to be the main focus or whatever. So this person is coming out of darkness or whatever, but that's how I like to set up. So those are the process. My process is really just at the end of the day, giving the client or, or making the client happy in this, rather it be a natural environment or a natural picture, just me and my family, or are we going for something dramatic or uh, superhero-ish? So um, I guess in, in my in my practice, I like to just freestyle everything. Gotcha, gotcha. One thing I'm big on is uh, paying forward advice um, or suggestions or or just tips on um, to other folks that are coming um, in a space, you know, behind other creatives or, or up with other creatives. And so this is a two-part one. Um, do you have, or what advice would you share with, you know, a creative or a photographer coming up around maybe the content of their work? And then the second part is, um, you know, what advice would you share around the business aspect of, of being a creative around their work? Well, I, I could spend time on this all day i mean uh, not just my life lessons but lessons that i was told that i never um heard um if i could break this up and maybe you can kind of remind me of the other part of the question but one thing yeah. that you did bring up it would be um you know what what advice and i think the first advice i would give anybody and a mistake i made is that once you find out this is what you want to do and this is your dream you have to stick with it this is your dream this cannot be your dream plus your family's dreams or your dream plus uh, what your grandmother thinks your dream should be or what your neighbors. No, it should be your dream and you should go for it. I have spent so much time in my life listening to others who told me that, hey, you want to be a photographer? Everybody wants to be a photographer. Why don't you be an electrician? And, you know, that, that includes going to school for two and a half years following somebody else's dream. Those are two and a half years that you could follow a mentor about the business part. Maybe you already know what your style is. And that's another part I want to go to style. I mean, um, you know, I had a professor tell me, Michael, you have a style. You are shooting photography at night. I love that style. Stick with it. But I saw seeing other people and I am definitely an artist where I am inspired by art. So say for instance, on uh, chopping screw music. I didn't know what the heck chopping screw music was. But once I heard it, I wanted to learn how to make it. Um, what, who is the best DJ of this genre? And how can I come up with a sound that's professional like his? And it's the same thing with my photography. I might see somebody work and go, wow, that was a really great work. Let me see if I could dabble in the graphic art part of it. So, I mean, once you know your style, definitely I suggest that you can stick with it. Do not be like me and be all over the way unless you definitely know your style, but you just kind of want to dabble with the technique or you want to try a new technique, but you're not going to sway away from your, your actual style. So once you get that style or something that people are saying that's particularly defines you and they can look at it and say, that's your work, then that's something you should stick with. Um, I always tell people who are in the rap game or the singing game, 
it's yes, you want to make your own music, and that's part of being an individual. I get that, but you do have a fan base, and once you develop that fan base, it's up to you to make your client happy. Those fans are your clients, and your client is always right. Now, am I saying that if your client decides that, oh, I want you to be a country singer and um, or something of that nature? Yeah, that don't follow that dream. But what I mean is that. Um, you know, if if it's true to you, stay true to yourself, but stay true to your fan base. And um, yeah, but as far as a business go, I I think once you do what you love and you separate it, and another mistake I would tell anybody coming up um, in the business that make sure this is something you want to do and something you love, and let that be the main reason. Um, you do what you do and let the higher power, in my case, I'm a Christian, so I would say God, but, you know, rather be, you know, um, Buddha or, or, or um, Allah or whoever you think of a high power, um, do your part, give it a hundred percent and then let them do the rest. I mean, don't worry about dollar signs. You know, um, that's one of the things that definitely hurt my career is once you saw a place enough, I'm not doing this for art, but I'm doing this to pay bills. It never works out when you keep it as, this is my art. This is my expression to the world. This is me making my clients happy. I enjoy doing this product for this client and watching a smile on their face and watching them tell their sisters and friends and stuff. Every time somebody brings up photography, your name is the first come out their mouth. That should be rewarded enough and the dollar signs will come later. So do what your heart desires and, and what you know you love. Don't worry about the dollar signs. The dollar signs will come naturally. Mm. And so you, you tapped into one of the questions that I was going to ask, and I want to dive a little deeper into it. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, like letting the the creativity lead and then the money's going to follow. And when I think about that, I think about there's a, there's a uh, leadership process around like thinking about like trusting the process and what that means and what that looks like. Um, has it always been easy for you to trust the process? And what was that like in, in learning that lesson for you? Um, because I know that's something that I hear quite often of people like, like, damn, I know that I got to, I know that it's going to come or I know that I'm putting it in the work, but I just don't see it right now. And it, it's hard to have the faith in it if I don't see it immediately. And, and sometimes we're, we're also in a era where there's a lot around instant gratification, right? Like, I want to see, I'm putting something up. I see that people are liking it. I want to get that notoriety there. Um, how did, how was your process around trusting the process? Um, and how did you kind of get comfortable with that and what that looks like? It's funny you ask that question because you are asking the absolute wrong person <laughs> on that. Um, I definitely think that's one of the things that hinder me. Matter of fact, you know, I have a, a company that hires all of my marketing and the owner, I swear she's going to kill me every day. There is a process, and I do not listen. There's a process of, you know, once you come up with a theme, what is that theme? What is your audience? You know, these are things that are set up that they work. If it is supposed to be on Instagram, not into Monday, 6 p.m. is the time it posted. This is the hashtag. There is a reason why why that work because usually those are things that people have researched they know it works they you are not the first spring bunny or spring rabbit whatever that saying is uh, this is not uh, you're not the spring turkey i think that's the the real term but um 
it, this has been tried before and this is known to work. I am not one of those people, um, unfortunately. And, but I think it's kind of like one of those people who know they're, um, they have a problem and they're willing to fix it. And I think that's what, what got me a little bit further is that I know this system works. I know if I follow it, what A by B, and then after B comes C, these alphabets have been in our language since we have thought of the English language. So there's a reason why B becomes comes after A or C comes after B. You just have to trust that it works that way. And, you know, you can spend hours going, okay, I've been taught A, B, C, D, but why when I look at the keyboard, it is Q, W, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's because for some reason somebody has trial, tried this in their trial and error and they have come to the conclusion that this works and this, this step works and this process works. So it's up to you to just trust, like you said. Um, it's the definition of faith. I mean, you know, um, do we absolutely have, um, do we actually know that there's a God? No, but can we have faith? And can we say that there is a connection and there's a reason why when I go to church, um, I feel a little bit different and why? You can sit there and think about it forever, or you can just trust that it works. And that's what it is with these uh, business process. It is, it works for a reason. It is for you to follow these steps. Now, if you say, hey, I've been following this for five years and it doesn't doesn't work for me, now it's time to quit. Well, before you quit, do some research. Um, yes, you've been doing it for five years, but did it take the person before you that's a multimillionaire or so successful or define success in, in, in your definition? Did he do it for 10 years? You know, you might do some research and go, oh, I've been struggling for five years, following these steps that haven't worked for me. But I just read that it took Russell Simmons 10 years before he got this process. So that means I'm halfway there. Now you can reset your goals. But like I said, without that research, without you knowing that this is a 10-year process and that you're only halfway there, I think it could probably um, shut somebody down. So I definitely think that, you know, trust the process. But if you want to give yourself an extra bonus, do a little research and see that those people who trust the, the process, how long did it take them? Because I think that can keep you on the right path and, and, and keep you from being discouraged. Mm. And I think that's a good segue into to some of our, our, you know, questions around some of this terminology that comes up quite often. And, and so one question I want to ask is, you know, for you, how do you define leadership? And maybe what does that mean or look like to you? Um, I think leadership is, a lot easier once you separate um, your selfishness. Like if you are going to be a leader and your, your mission is to lead others, then I think what you're doing is you are taking all your experience, your failures, your, what didn't work for you, what worked good for you, and you're bringing up the next person. And when you really do that, that means you don't care about if this person is going to be bigger than you. I think that what kind of holds a lot of people from being a true leader or being a hundred percent leader, you know, you can be a leader, you can be a 20% leader and decide that, you know, I'm going to hold back on, on other things, but no, when you really want to be a leader, you have to really think about the definition, definition of leadership and that's to lead someone. So are you going to lead them to a successful role where they can be happy? And because of you, you brought that person to that next level. And can you do that without uh, wanting something in return? Are you doing it because you want that person to get on stage and go, oh, it's because of Michael Avon, um, I'm this big person, or do you want to be a leader 
who just want to see that person blossom and that person be as big as they can be. You still on your journey, but hey, you help this person on their journey. And it doesn't matter how big. See, a lot of people think success is how big or what the media tells them, but are you successful in your own eyes? You know, some people could be content with just being defining success as being able to pay bills and do what I love as a living. I'm not working a nine to five. I'm following my dreams. That's success for them. So when you become a leader, if you're already happy in your own space and you're happy where you are in life, it's easy for you to go, I want this person to be as big as me, if not bigger, or the next president or whatever. Uh, they're going to take my photography and that's going to give them leadership skill that they might go into a whole nother field. They might not want to be a photographer, but they took that leadership skill and they just want to be a business owner. It doesn't matter. That's their dream. And all you're doing is taking your knowledge and leading them to their next step. So long as you're not selfish, I think leadership should be a natural and easy and rewarding thing in its own eternity. Mm. For you, how do you define mindfulness and, and, and what does that look like in, in, in your life? Again, my, once again, going to the opposite of me, <laughs> uh, I think mindfulness is um, just the ability to, going back to what you said before, just trusting the process and trusting the person who are giving you the process. I mean, you know, um, yes, it's a process, but do you trust that that person is taking you to the, the next level that you want to be? So you have to be careful about that. Um, do you have a false leader, um, like the Bible said, false prophet? Um, do you have somebody who's really looking out for your best interest? But if you do, then I think being mindful is knowing that this person has taken a second out of their career. This person is shameless and they want me to be as big as they are. And they looking out for my, my better behalf. So I think, um, once you have those elements in place, it's, it's easy to be mindful of someone trying to get you to where they are. Um, but I think the security is knowing that that person has the best interest in hand. Mm. What for you, uh, what does success look like? And maybe how has that definition changed for you over the years? And maybe what does it look like for you now? I think uh, success for me is, is a late journey because I had to realize late in life. And when I say late, I'm talking about recently, like, you know, within a year or so. You have to sit down and really ask yourself, what is success to you? Uh, success to me personally would be, as I mentioned before, would just be doing what I love to do and being able to live off. My dreams have switched from what it is now from what it used to be was, oh, I have to have a, uh, I have my eyes on a Porsche GT3 and I have to have a house here and also a vacation house. It was, it was more of defined by materialistic things. And what I had to realize is that, okay, so even if that is your goal, the materialistic things, you have not set and said, how will you get to those goals? Uh, how would you be successful? Now that you define success as what kind of car you drive or what kind of house or how many properties, now that you have made that your definition of success, how do you get there? And I think when you're, your success goals are unrealistic or have no meaning, then you'll notice that, hey, yes, I want a, a nice car, but what, what is my goal? How do I get there? And it's harder. Versus that success to me is having a family, um, having a wife and kids. Okay, 
that's a little bit easier because you could say, okay, a kid, I'm looking to cost. I have a cousin or they had a baby and that kid is now six years old. She told me that she had to spend this much on diapers. Now talking to my grandmother that raised my mother and me, I know how much it costs to raise a child. So now I have a better idea of, okay, now I need more clients because I want to have to to pull this extra $1,000, $2,000 a month. Now um, that's how much it's going to cost to raise this child. So now I have to set my goals in my career a little bit higher because right now I'm not making that type of money. Well, maybe I am, you know, I don't know. But what I say is that once you have realistic definition of success, and I think that starts at maybe even before exactly your business or whatever, you could just say, what do I want to do? And that should be your first thing. Maybe you say success to me is being um, how known I am. So, yeah, I, I'm making maybe, um, I'm just throwing a number out there, maybe make it 60 grand. It's okay for me. Most importantly is I want to be on a magazine. I want to be on uh one of the top photographers for Natural Geographic. Great, that's a great goal. So now you gotta go, um, what's the step to submit for Natural Geographic? I need this kind of portfolio, it has to be in this format. Those are, now that you said that that is success, success is to be in ABC Magazine, now that you define it as being successful, now you can go into the goals of, okay, how do I submit? Um, do I have to have uh, somebody who already had their foot in to represent me? before I can even submit a portfolio, those are different goals that you can now add. So now um, week one of March can be just getting a representation. So, you know, you already did your portfolio because you did that for another reason. So you already got that in lock. Now you just need a representation. How do I go about it? Oh my, my God, my mom knows Bill Joe, who can kind of give me an introduction to Natural Geographic. Great. Now my goal is how do I get my mom to introduce me to Bill, whatever, whatever, and that is step one. And you have step two followed up. So really success has to be defined by you. And that's the biggest thing. You know, it's not defined by the hottest pop singer or whatever. It's you have to sit down and say, what kind of life do I want to have? And that's why, you know, um, I think this whole van life and, and living, minimal living, um, all that stuff has become popular because I think people are now doing their homework. They're realizing that, oh, my God, to be successful, um, it's not that big house anymore. Like, now that I think of it, that's an extra bill. I got to pay a cleaner to clean it up. I don't want that. I just want a nice, cozy apartment. I just realized that. And that's because you, those people have taken the time to say that is success. Success for me is living in a van, which, you know, that's my next project. I want to be the moving photographer. But with that being said, it's like you have to divide success in Again, once you do that, those things come natural. I mean, I never thought I would be on the 15th of next month. I'm in Houston filming uh, South by Southwest. I never thought that on the 26th of next month, I'd be at the Kennedy Center, like speaking about motivation and overcoming adversity. I would never have, have gotten there if I wasn't humble enough to say, this is my career. This is what I want to be successful. And I made a determination that success to me is going to be helping every person that I can. If I talk to a thousand people, to me, if I make change one or two people's life, then that is success, success to me. I have taken somebody from a dark place and brought it to the life, or I have grabbed that person right before they said, forget art. I'm going to work a nine to five. I'm going to nothing against flipping burgers, 
if you have a a goal or you want to become a manager or maybe you're just happy serving people. Again, this goes back to success. You can actually wake up every day and say, you know what? I make the best dang hamburger in the world and I'm going to make everybody at lunchtime life better because when they come to this Burger King, they're going to enjoy their meal. That's all my goal is. My goal is to make people happy. If that's where your heart is, by far, that should be your de- definition of success. You are paying your bills and you make it every day, everybody's life happier. You never know. That might mean a lot. To me, that would be a big goal to take somebody from, they're working nine to five, they're angry, but after they ate my burger, for some reason, they're happy, they're able to go and put that extra four hours in to make it through that day, and my burger has something to do with that. And that's probably why we have small change burgers and stuff, because somebody actually thought about where do they want to be with success, what is success defined to them, and they went after those with their goals. So, I mean, to, to give you a very long, stretched out answer, that is my answer of how to be successful and how to define success. Mm, mm. There's a lot in there to unpack, and I, I appreciate, I definitely uh, appreciate that. Um, and I think it's a good segue to the next question. Um, like when you think about, you know, this whole idea of success and, 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 and kind of crafting that and what that looks like, you know, that's a mindset that you have to have. And I know you mentioned like, you know, I feel like there's a, a shift in that kind of mindset where people are looking at it maybe a little bit more um, critical on their ideas of what success is now to them or what it can be for them. Um, and a lot of that can come from influence of, of, of people that are around them and maybe a mentor or what that looks like. And so for you, has there been someone that has had like a, a tremendous impact on your own professional development, personal development, and maybe how has that person kind of impacted um, you and your own growth? Um, I think my strongest, you know, uh, of course I could spend all day um, thinking of people who are successful, you know, and, you know, sadly, you know, I, um, I think mostly, and I wouldn't really call it sadly, but I think most of my motivation comes from seeing other people overcome adversity. That really gives me my boost and really gives me that extra push. I mean, it, it comes from Hollywood a lot too, like just watching documentaries such as, uh, the documentary on Ray Charles to see somebody who, you know, wasn't born just like me. I wasn't born without limbs. This came from a motorcycle accident. He wasn't born blind. He had to live as a normal person and then have those things taken away. And, you know, I, it, it depends on how you really look at things. Do I look at, I can wake up and look at it as I've lost my limbs or I can look at it as, no, I've thrown a challenge to, to add to my story. You know, um, I'm very big on mental health and I had to go through a mental health situation before I could understand it better. I couldn't sit there and tell somebody to, to be strong without going through that speed bump, you know? Um, so with that being said, um, you know, um, I, 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 I apologize. I'm so over the, over everywhere. I just love to really, really like, you know, share, trials it, it helped people go through because I've been through dark places where I had to pull myself out and I think that that's what makes my story and make everybody's story more unique not just mine but you know um so forgive me for 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 giving you such a long answer every single question I know it's like you know 
added no, a minute, you're, but you know. <laughs> you're absolutely fine. You're absolutely fine. But what, one thing I would ask is that you mentioned that, you know, mental health is, is um, something that's really important to you. And I, I like to ask folks that around the topic of mental health, we know that now socially mental health is becoming something that I feel like people are more and more comfortable talking about, you know, we can, we can kind of talk about whether that's like, because it's a bit more of a fad or whether people are just more comfortable, whether we're hearing more stories around mental health and people are more comfortable talking about it. What is your, or what are your thoughts around this kind of emergence of uh, the conversation around mental health? And maybe where, what do you think the direction of that is going? Well, I mean, um, my come from experience, I, I like to bring up an app that I just learned of where it, 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 I won't call it by name. Well, yes, I will. Because this is dealing with mental health, might as well. It's called Talk Life. And what I learned from that is that it's a, it's a format for people to get on and really just anonymously talk about their problems. Like, you know, you can read anything from um, this happened to me as a child and it's coming back or um, maybe something a little bit smaller, like, you know, I just broke up with my girlfriend. I just broke up with my boyfriend. I'm feeling sad. I need somebody to talk to. But what I learned is that this is the first time I even came across a platform where it's a community of people who maybe just want to vent. Maybe it's not to a point where, where that. So it just made me realize that there is still a stigma out there. You know, yes, I am definitely by far happy to find this platform. And I do spend hours. I encourage anybody who, you know, want to help others just go onto this platform because it is a stranger that you can help. But it just showed me that it it, it kind of gave me a bad feeling because it's still anonymous. anonymous and um, it still shows that there's a stigma out there. It's not like somebody can wake up. If you look at social media, who's really posting that? hey, I woke up and because it was raining, it got me in a real bad mood and I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. You find it very rare compared to those who are, oh my God, it's raining, but I am out enjoying the rain or, you know, all these people who have this great life or uh, who would have known that Beyonce and Jay-Z was having problems until later came down the road. Like, as far as you knew, they are only showing the travel. So I think with mental health plays a part is that it's still people in the closet that, that maybe want to to grab for help, but they just don't know. And I think that, you know, um, I had never even seen advertisement for this app. I think it's a very strong app, and I'm pretty sure there's others out there. But I go to say that I every day I'm seeing advertisement for um, um, print your pictures off your phone, Shutterfly, for this amount of price, or um, Candy Crush, play this new game, and it keeps you entertained. And I see commercials like that, but I don't see anything that says, hey, are you really in a bad place? Can you not afford healthcare? Go to this app, you know, see how this goes. Or um, what are we doing in America to make the process of getting help? I myself, you know, went through an episode. I did not know where to go. I just happened to stumble to the right place. And, and, and it scares me the fact that the first thing I did was to to go to the emergency room because I really need to express this grief that was on my chest. But I was turned away. I was told that, hey, it's going to be a two-hour wait. And it really made me drop to tears because I was thinking, what if I was at that that lower level? What if Michael wasn't strong enough to, to, to think rationally? What if I had a gun in the glove box? What could I have done to myself or to others? And I started thinking about 
uh, these mass shootings. And I don't know these killers personally, so maybe I'm I'm not as correct, but it just shows that mental health needs to be addressed in America. Maybe we wouldn't have so much stuff going on. Maybe if we were to court whoever this person did this mass shooting, maybe we caught them a week earlier and just say, hey, it's going to be okay. Let's talk. Who is bullying you? How does it feel to be bullied? What is the next step? Do you know that these resources out there for anti-bullying? You know, um, I think a lot of cases that not only is mental health a bad stigma and you are a bad person or you're not as strong as the next man because you want to talk or you want to get help. Those are the things you have to, those steps you have to overcome just to get maybe help because we do know, I'm pretty sure that you had a, a cold that wasn't addressed the proper way by the proper doctor. So you didn't, therefore you didn't get the right help. Well, maybe in mental health, it's the same thing. Maybe there's somebody who's in a mental health field that's only there to get a paycheck. So we got to understand too that even when this person gets introduced to help, they might not even get the right help. Maybe that person haven't seen that case. So I just think that America really has to do a better job. We have to put our focus on saving the lives. We're always talking about borders and how much it's going to cost to keep these criminals out. Okay, why aren't we on the news talking about how we're going to keep people mentally sane? How are we going to put resources there? You know, how many kids have we actually did a study or a survey? I don't remember as a child. They might do it now. I pray that they do. But do teachers actually take five minutes before class and go, student, just in case, if any of you guys have a problem, do we actually know the steps of getting help? Mr. Johnson, how do you, when you're having a bad day, how do you set up an appointment to your counselor? Mr. Johnson, the student could say, you know what, teacher, I really don't know. Great. I'm glad I brought this up. The first step is to go to the counselor. This counselor is next to your principal office. It's open all day. You can go there anytime. You don't have to have a reason, you know, blah, blah, blah. That is what America needs to step up and start doing. And I think as an individual, we're talking about America. What can we do ourselves? Be an ear. You know, don't be too busy for a friend. Um, be there as a friend, be there as a, I call it sponsor, especially if you've already gone through something before, you know step one of healing, step two, step three, step four. Why not help the next man? Pay it forward. I mean, you know, um, somebody might have helped you. Think about the time that that one, that one therapist that got to you and really understood you and got you, helped you out of this dark place because we do know coming out of dark place is something self. But pay it forward, you know, sit down with that person, you know. Um, you know, I, I really get nervous, but it's something that I definitely started stepping out. When I see somebody angry at the store cussing out a waitress or something like that, sometimes it's more to that story. Sometimes it's not just that person is rude. Why not take a second and say, hey, is everything okay? You know, and let the person, you know, if they are right for mine, they're going to talk about their problem to you. You are another person's event. So they might go, yeah, this stupid person didn't give me my change back. Okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let's, you know, you hear them out, let them vent, because usually that's what they want to do, get it off their chest. But why not take a second just to hear them? I mean, what did you lose? You lost 10 minutes, but you diffused the situation. You could have saved that person from a criminal act. Maybe they don't have the right mentality. So that next step from yelling was to put their hands on the person at the cash register. Now they can't get a job because they have some kind of criminal record behind. You just stopped that person's life. So a lot of people have to think like, you know, uh, let's do our job and let's pray that America do their job. And maybe by us doing our job as an individual, that can make America wake up and say, hey, these people are doing their part because evidently mental health is something important to them. 
So now it's time to do our part because these little people who have done it, now me as a senator, I want to run next year. So I got to make sure my people are happy. So now that I see that it's serious to them, I'm going to do my part because I want these people who voted me into office, I want them to still support me. So I'm, I now that I know that I support to them, now I'm going to do my part. So if we do our part, let's see what America do and see how if America walk with us in this step of helping mental health and, and rebuilding mental health. I agree. I, listen, you, yeah, I just, I feel like I agree with you. I think there are so many things that could be diffused if we put the energy around mental health. Like when you think about these mass shootings, when you think about like criminal acts or things that happen, like there are so many situations with so many groups of people, particularly when you think about like marginalized groups in, in, in the, in the country. Um, there are situations in our country that are pressure cookers for a lot of folks in, in a lot of marginalized communities. And so what that ends up looking like is, you know, someone, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but like some folks with the mass shootings, uh, certain like drug usage, it, it looks like criminal acts. It looks like a lot of things. And a lot of the root of that, when you get back to it is like, somebody is suffering from something and they needed somebody to talk to, or they didn't get the right care or they weren't diagnosed the right way. And, and it, it then looks like we're seeing the the explosion of the situation when, like you said, there are so many touch points before the person got there that if we had people that were checking in on or they had the right services or they were connected to the right resources that, you know, they wouldn't have gotten to the outburst of the situation, um, which by that point where we've already painted the person as you know, criminal or something that's wrong instead of really looking at the root, which is, it was probably something where the person was suffering for something or dealing with something or didn't have the right resources to deal with it in a way that was um, constructive for them in, in, in that way. So uh, listen, I'm, we on the same page there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing yeah, I- we I, have I, to be on the same page. Yeah. No, I just said right. we have to be on the same page. You're right. You're right. And I, 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 yeah, cause that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I do, I do think that's something that I, I wish we would be able to put more pressure or put more energy, especially around like political conversations on what like mental health looks like and, 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 and how putting, I wish there was more research and how we could put the energy there and what that would look like and how that would yield um, changes in the country in a different way. Because I, I just know that it would, it would make it would make the world a difference for a lot of folks and a lot of communities um, in the country. Exactly. One thing I want to ask, and I know you mentioned, uh, and make sure that I have it right, because I'm I'm going to share the resource in the the description of the podcast. The app you mentioned was is it Talk Life or Talk Light? It is Talk Life. Uh, L I F E. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 Um, is there any other resources, whether there's like book, movie, podcast, song, tattoo, anything that has been um, influential in your own personal growth or development that you'd like to share with the listeners outside of the app? Um, outside of the app, like I said, I've been doing research for a very long time. That is the first app and resource I came across. Um, I do know the importance of venting, so that's why it definitely has sparked an interest to me. And plus, you know, I feel like to heal, you have to heal others. It, it's just the way it goes. A lot of people are, they, they, they look for help, but they don't realize that, you know, there's help within helping others. So yes, I, unfortunately, that is the first site that I have came across. Um, there are definitely countless books that I can't recall titles, but 
there's always a great book to help. I mean, you can do research um, on on subjects of mental health and things that come up. I think I think more importantly, the best resource, honestly, is going to be yourself. And it's hard to really understand that when you're going through something, but it's it's when you realize that you are the one pulling yourself out of those um, those things. Of course, you know, with help, help, help. I mean, there's always greatness in getting help. And I really think that, you know, um, I really think as far as resources, there's not, a, unfortunately, there's not a lot of resources. Of course, we know the 1-800-SUICIDE-PREVENTION number. Uh, we know things of that nature. But other than that, if you ask the average human being, like if you was to get a microphone right now, go in the middle of D.C., including myself, and ask me um, or anybody what are resources, unfortunately, it's going to be just like me. You know, people are going to have one or two resources, which I've just given you, but that's it. And that just shows you how how far back we are in this mental health. I mean, I literally, I was able to recall two resources for you. Uh, and that's a scary thing, because if you ask me what resources do you have for putting up portfolio for your photography, I can go for DVNR and all these social medias and all those different aspects. But just to think how strong mental health is, how many individuals are affected with mental health, but yet I'm still only able to pull out two apps as a resources, that's kind of frightening to me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm at myself, I'm trying to recall and I, yeah. There was something that you said, and I want to tap into this before we we, we start to wrap up. Um, and forgive me if I misquote you. Um, helping others heal can help you heal. Is is that one? Did I get that right? What you said? I was trying. Absolutely. To okay. Um, has that been reflect? Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? And has that kind of been reflective? of your, like, linking back about your journey, has that been reflective of your journey and kind of where your next steps are for the work that you do, you know, as a motivator, as an activist, as, as a photographer, as a creative? Um, has that been reflective of your journey and also where you're going next with the type of work that you do? I know you mentioned the work with um, South by Southwest and then the speaking engagement with the Kennedy Center. Um, yeah, is that reflective of you and your next steps? Yeah, I definitely think it... it, it definitely helping others help me because when you open yourself up to be a a healer or a person of venture and you hear somebody else's story you realize that yes even though your story is still important yes you still are going through something you're going to meet somebody that's going through um, something tougher than you and that's going to make you a little more eager to to continue with your journey you know um you know, I, I, I remember when I first lost my limbs and I remember saying, God, like, you know, why, why me? Why did I have to lose both limbs? Because I am what is called a BKAK means the amputation below, below the knee and amputation above where my knee would have been. But instantly I met a young lady who had no knees at all. And of course, the more of your residual body you have, the easier it is to walk. This person was missing both knees. So her journey it's a lot harder than mine. And I say this to say that, you know, uh, reaching out to her and just saying like, you know, here's my story. Kind of find out that that's all she wanted was to be able to tell her story and hear that somebody else is, is like her. She is not alone. She might have it a little bit harder, but to her, 
me taking that extra two seconds was enough to push her to go, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to give it 120%. I came in here, gave it 100%, felt sad, and I wanted to give it 0% moving forward. But just this person talking to me has motivated me more to give it that extra push, you know. So by my experience of helping others, it's like to see them awaken, to see this person go, today I had 5% energy in me, but talking to you, you know what, I'm not 100% yet, but I'm at 50%. That is rewarding enough for you to even try harder in life. You could say, well, I met Nancy, and Nancy had a drug problem that she, this is her first year clean, and, and you know, she said that she talked to me when she first went to recovery, and it was so hard. That already pushes you mentally to do more, because you're like, wow, I talked to Nancy, and Nancy... I still remember like it was yesterday, even though this was almost 10 years ago, of talking to a classroom where a girl came up to me in front of her whole class and said, I really was giving up. I thought life wasn't worth pushing any anymore. And hearing your story, you taking the time of overcoming adversity, I realized that, no, I don't want to in my life. What I want to do is tell my principal, tell the authorities about this person who lives in my house that was molesting me for all these years that pushed me to a point where I didn't want to live anymore. And that was my answer or escape for hearing from you. You have pushed forward and you didn't give up. Now I want to live. That story has pushed me on and on for the rest of my life. That would be a healing point for me forever. Cause even if I lose grip on my goals and my achievement and me want to be success, successful, I can still lean on that one last edge of going, you know what? It's not about me today. It's about the way I saved that person's life through their story or whatever, or maybe tomorrow, or maybe it might be next year, or maybe it might be 10 years from now that I helped the person. But guess what? In 10 years, I would have saved one life. One life has not been here, or one life is not in his pillow or bed sleeping every day after every day, barely eating. No, my speech motivated him to work every day, and that's one more soul in this journey to fight for me to help. Now I have another soldier in this journey of fighting for mental health and getting the government on track. I have just added another teammate. So those things are rewarding. So when I say you're, you're paying it forward, yes, for a second, you can be greedy. You help that person, but in return, I now have something I can fall back on. And if you want to call it greedy, so be it, you know, but, but you can own that. You can own that your help. You helping somebody else gave you that extra motivation to keep going. Mm. And I think, mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm digesting. I, this always happens in the interviews. I'm just, I'm just kind of taking, taking in, in kind of your, your, what you just, just shared. And, and I think it's a good segue to our, to our final question, um, which is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as you think and reflect on the work that you do, um, and the journey that you're on, how do you envision legacy and what that looks like for you? Wow, legacy for me. Um, that's something I actually think about a lot. I haven't fully developed or defined it, but I will say the thing that pops out is that I did made a promise to myself that when I leave this earth, my biggest legacy would be my son. And I want him to... to after I'm gone to think that, wow, 
my father really went after what he thought was important. I would never be that parent. And, you know, don't get me wrong. My parents are the greatest parents. When they gave me these, these lack of motivation, I would say it's because they wanted me to be successful in life point blank. So it wasn't to be greedy, but one thing I would never tell my son is don't follow your dreams or that's unrealistic. If my son woke up and said, you know what, dad, for the rest of my life, I want to play video games. My, my sit down wouldn't be, Oh, that's dumb. You're wasting your time. It'd be like, okay, so how do we make a living out of this? Um, are you the best? What is your strongest video games? Is it um, these shooters, first person shooters? Is it racing? You know, we're going to go into details about what it is, uh, what makes you different from the other person. Let's get that straight right now. Because after he hears that, he might realize that, oh, uh, this is not the path I want to, like I said, I'm not discouraging, but I would ask him, like, what makes you different from the next video gamer? Well, dad, every time I pick up a game, I beat the game. And I'm always, or I'm not that good at playing games, dad, but I know I'm always finding things wrong. Like, let me show, show you something. When Mario jumps, you see how he cuts off? I don't like that. And I think a lot of people's bothered. So... Maybe he'll be a person that checks out game. Okay, somewhere. Maybe you'll be a good person that uh, tests games. You test the betas before it comes out. Make sure everything's okay. It's a good living in that. How do you be the best person of that? So I say that all to say that, you know, um, you know, it, it's your goals have to be what you want. And it would never work if you're doing it for the wrong reason. I mean, you can't wake up and say, I think um, male models, are dope. I mean, they get to travel around and they get to be models and print and stuff and they get to date other hot female models. Great. That's all good. But that also means that you're in the gym all the time. I mean, I'm doing two to three times and I'm thinking I'm doing big deal, you know, but I'm reading that these people are in the gym almost 24 seven. It's that in order to have that goal, that would come, that's the work that comes with it. So, you know, you also have to take time. Like I said, it's all prep. I mean, do you really want to spend a lot of people say, Hey, I love the gym spending eight, 10 hours in the gym. is nothing because I'm in there anyway. Okay, great. But somebody like me to go, Hey, those 10 hours, I can give you an hour a day, but I have to edit all this different photos and I have to edit this video and all this stuff. So it wouldn't work for me. So, I mean, I, I really think that everything we talked about today about how, about success, about goals, about, um, paying it forward and stuff it's all about preparation and it's all about going back to the initial word of a goal i mean you got to have small goals and that's another scary thing that a lot of us don't think about we think about the big picture but we don't think about the small goals we don't think about okay monday is going to be my editing day you know I, I i'm a bad planner when it comes to that because i've been so by my uh, marketing team and you know i have a fabulous leader uh miss um sasha horn i mean she tells me all the time hey you have to take time make a day instead of time for just your mental and health well-being i mean if you are working 20 hours a day only getting four hours of sleep and doing it the next day and doing the next day then you have to set on your calendar that saturday is going to be family time i'm going to rest until 11 o'clock today. I'm not going to wake up at 4 o'clock today. I'm going to wake up at 11. I'm going to make myself a great breakfast, and I'm going to make my son a great breakfast, and we're going to go here, and we're going to have a relaxing day. It's going to be no stress. Then that is part of your planning, but a lot of people don't do that, you know, especially with the mental health that we talked about doing our part. Well, let's talk about doing our part for ourselves before we help others. What are you going to do to keep your, your sanity? I mean, are you going to 
commit to, yes, I want this job to be successful, but dang it, Sunday is going to be my church day, my family day, my barbecue day. I'm not picking up the computer, my laptop, my desktop. I'm not editing any photos. This is when I'm going to get that energy to make it through the next week. I do know that Wednesdays is a stressful day for me. I've known this from the past. So what I'm going to do for my mental health, because I know if I'm mentally well, then I can do my job better, then Wednesday is going to be the day that I'm going to take it easy. Wednesday is going to be the day that I only edit photos. I'm not doing any videos. I'm not doing any music. I'm going to, I'm still going to get work done, but I'm going to take it down because I know mentally I need to be there. It's all about preparation. You've got me, you know, and, and listening to, to, to your response, you got me thinking about that and, and creating those windows and creating that space to, to kind of recharge. I know that's something, and that's, it happens when I think that's not going to happen. It happens every episode. I, I speak, I feel like I speak to my guests at the right time at a particular time in my life where something that they say is really super hella resonated <laughs> with something that's going on with me. And that's one of the things that when I think about it is like creating that space or, or creating those windows for you, you to recharge so that you're showing up the best way, you know, in the spaces that you need to show up. Cause if you're not taking that time, you're not making those windows. Um, going back to the mental health conversation, you know, you're not showing up the way you need to show up in these spaces and putting your best foot forward in the way that you need to, uh, to kind of hit those levels of success that makes sense for you and what you're looking for. So I, I, you know, I always say I'm, I'm always grateful for my guests and, and, and what they drop and the nuggets that they drop that are um, resonating with me. And I'm, I know are going to resonate super well with my, um, my listeners. So thank you. Appreciate uh, I appreciate being able to, to speak. And like I said, I mean, you know, um, it doesn't matter if I reach one or a million people, you know, um, just helping one person is, is enough to make my day. Michael, what's the best way, um, you know, I like to provide this space for my, um, my guests to kind of, you know, share, share websites, share social media. It's going to be posted in the description, but I do like for, you know, my, my, uh, my guests to share it. Um, what's the best way? Is it IG, uh, website? What's, what's the best way for my listeners to, to follow you and check on the, the dope things that you're doing? Well, the best way to follow me is to come out to the Kennedy Center on the 25th uh, six to seven o'clock. That's when I'll be performing my piece, but I would say get there earlier. I'm seeping up with the music and me foundation was an anti-bullying organization. So, I mean, you definitely want to watch the whole show, please by far don't come see me and then dip out, see the whole show, see this whole anti-bullying, because I do think as we talk about mental health, we talk about a big factor, which is bullying. And I, going back to what I said before, you know, a lot of these kids don't know the resources and they think the only escape is to solve the problem by eliminating the problem. Because, I mean, that's what we taught. We taught that if you have a problem, figure out how to eliminate it. Well, there's a positive way to eliminate a problem, then there's a negative. Of course, we know what the negative is. So I think any organization that's really out there trying to help the child, I really think, you know, I definitely gravitate towards them. And that's what happened. I gravitate towards this company. And, again, on the 25th of May, I'll be there. I'll also be on the 16th. Um, I'm sorry, March, <laughs> I, uh, the, the 16th of March, May, I'm at the Kennedy Center, March, I will be in Houston, you know, um, just sharing my story as well as playing my part as filming and, and getting resources out there of other people who might want to share stories. I've been here, California, um, I've been to Louisiana, I'm just trying to 
let people share their stories. I use myself as a platform to as an introduction, and then I introduce other people. So if you go to YouTube, type in Michael Avon, you'll see my series. That's just talking to people who are quadriplegic. Um, and some people don't have disabilities. Some people just, I talked to a young lady who, you know, was a, a part of domestic violence at home and decided I want to be the next star. They packed up their stuff and they moved to a big city, became the next big thing. I mean, you see this person on every billboard and stuff. And that person took a traumatic, dramatic something really bad and turned into good. And I love stories like that because, you know, you never know who's listening. A person might go, hey, I was willing, like I told you before, somebody willing to give up on life, but just all they needed was that little motivation. And then um, Instagram, Michael Avon. Um, you go to Instagram, Michael Avon or Michael dot Avon. If you want to just stick with just the art, Michael Avon would give you a perspective of a person as an amputee overcoming adversity, but some people might not want to hear that. Some people want to go straight for the art. So that's, therefore you'll go to Michael dot Avon instead of Michael Avon. Those are the best platforms to reach me. And of course my website, michaelavon.com. Perfect. Listen, Michael, thank you again for the opportunity to chat. This was a, a great conversation. Um, yes, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. And I'm grateful that you took the time to have me on your wonderful platform. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Mindful Rebel Podcast. For more podcast episodes with some really dope guests, you can go to my website, seanjmore.com slash podcast. That's seanjmore.com slash podcast. You can also check out past episodes on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Anchor FM. Check out more ways how I help people cultivate their energy, like the podcast, like my design and branding services, direct energy work, or workshop and presentation facilitation. Please go to my website, that's seanjmore.com. Again, that's seanjmore.com, and you can learn a little bit more about the services that I offer and the work that I like to do with folks. Thanks again.